Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Every so often, we all need a little encouragement, some words to capture our mind, engage our heart and enliven our spirit. And that's my intention with this podcast. It's an opportunity for you to take a few minutes out of your busy day and listen to what I hope is thought provoking and empowering content. Each week, my guests and I share stories, challenges and vulnerabilities, as well as tips and insights on a whole range of topics, all with the aim of helping us to live in a more soulful, authentic and integrated way. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, which is all about a favourite topic of mine, writing. Over the years, I've come across many people who say they'd love to write a book. Maybe you're one of them. And of course, there is the thinking that everyone has a book in them. Um, And that, I I believe, is true because we all have lived a life story. We all have something to learn from each other. And we will see ourselves reflected in other people's stories and experiences. My intention with this week's episode is to share some tips and insight from my own experiences as a writer that hopefully you will find helpful and encourage you to pick up that pen and paper or what's more likely these days, of course, is to switch on the computer and open a blank Word document. Now, you may not wish to write a book, but perhaps you're thinking of writing a blog or submitting an article to a magazine or a website, and I'll be sharing some tips for article writing as well. It's only in recent times that I've called myself a writer, somehow writing six books, including two novels, as well as over 800 blogs and articles. I wasn't comfortable with the term. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, I've embarked on an MA in creative writing in DCU. A month in, I have to say I'm loving it. Loads of reading and, of course, plenty of writing too. I'm learning loads. And you know when you feel like you're in the right place at the right time? Well, that's how I feel about this course. My motivation for doing it, coming out of my practical sabbatical, was to invest a little more time in what brings me pleasure. So it's not a course I'm doing as a means to an end. It's a course I'm doing for the joy of the process, for meeting like-minded people, And of course, to improve my skill as a writer, uh, to work on the craft of writing, as it were. Uh, What has helped me get more comfortable with the label writer was that in being offered a place on the course, the offer letter said that they only give places to writers. So I guess if others see me as a writer, I should probably see myself as one too. And that's why for the first time in over 130 podcast episodes, this one is on the topic of writing. And as I say, it's a topic that is close to my heart. When I've spoken to people about my writing and the fact that I'm doing an MA in creative writing, so many people have said that they would love to do something similar. I often think we have a romantic image of writers. You know, we can picture someone sitting at a desk surrounded by books, immersed in creativity, channeling inspiration and producing beautiful, engaging sentences. Their words are full of profound metaphors that communicate universal truths and deepen our understanding of what it is to be human. That's the romantic ideal. The reality can be staring at a blank screen with a deadline looming, battling true resistance that stops you sitting down and opening the laptop in the first place, or typing away for an hour and realising you've written nothing of value. And I know what that's like. Some people are in love with the idea of being a writer, but the reality is, how would I say it? Um, and I'm probably going to burst a bubble or two here. Um, if you've never written a word in your life or if you don't keep a journal, you know, if you're not noting observations from the world around you 
and you're not an avid reader with a pile of books to read by your bed, odds are you're not a writer in your heart. Your creativity and talents may lie elsewhere. But if you do scribble your thoughts in a diary or a journal, are a keen observer of life and of other people's behaviours, and have read widely for years, well, the rest of this episode may be especially for you, the writer in you that's just waiting to emerge. As humans, we're all creative souls. If we are feeling a lack of fulfilment in our lives, one of the reasons is because we are not exercising our creativity. Of course, writing is just one of the countless ways to express our creativity. And for as long as I can remember, it's been my go-to method. As I've shared before, I started writing a, a daily diary at the close of each day back on the 1st of January 1986. So that's not today nor yesterday. And I've written in it every day since. I've so many journals and notebooks that I've lost count. A writer with a fetish for notebooks and journals is a combustible combination. Over the years, I've certainly honed my craft as a writer. I've learned many things the hard way. When you read a lot, and I don't think you can be a writer of merit unless you do read a lot, uh, reading other people's words informs our ear uh, as to what works and what doesn't. As with any skill or craft, we become writers by writing. The more we write and practice the craft of writing, the better we will become. I will cringe now when I read articles I wrote a few years ago, and I can't even read my first book, Graduate to Success, because I know I can write so much better now. But as with anything in life, we are always doing our best, and our definition of best changes as we change. So in this week's episode, I'm going to share eight lessons I've learned from my adventures in writing. I want to open, though, by paraphrasing something I heard the late great speaker and author Maya Angelou say on the topic of writing. And from memory, she said it takes three things to be a writer. First, you've got to have something to say. Second, the ability to say it. And thirdly, and perhaps this is the key, the courage to say it or the courage to write it and share it. I would certainly agree with that. I think we all have something valid to say, an experience to share, wisdom we've accrued that others may find helpful. The ability to communicate it could be through the spoken word or a presentation or even in conversation with others. But as a writer, it's about having the skill to write it. Written communication is different to verbal communication. That's why I'm doing the writing course to enhance my skill as a written communicator. And then, as Maya Angelou rightly said, we require the courage to say it and share it, to be brave enough to offer our insights, to show up, to give our story to the world. As I've mentioned in recent episodes, I have a new book coming out shortly, Words to Inspire. And from the beginning to the end of that book, it took me the guts of a year to write it, which is probably the shortest amount of time it has taken me to write a book. Well, apart from the ebook I did on interview skills a few years ago, I produced that to a deadline in six weeks, but that was less than 20,000 words. My other books, like Finding Catherine or Soar, took on average two years to write. I'm not working on them full time. You know, I'm also seeing clients and delivering workshops. Yeah, but that's an indication of the commitment that's involved. It's not a short term thing. Spending time back in writing mode over my sabbatical uh, reminded me of what I love about writing but also the frustrating and stressful parts of it too. I know I'm a writer though, because the pain of my resistance to writing, to putting it on the long finger, the dance to avoid the laptop, uh, the chores I'll find to do to postpone that moment of sitting down to write. Well, that is less than the pain of not writing, the uncomfort of having an idea, an insight or a story that wants to be told through me. 
you know, that wants to come into the world through me. Uh, that's the bigger pain, unexpressed creativity. So if you feel you've an idea for a book, an article you want to write, or you have your creativity that you want to express, uh, I'm going to share some tips and insights for you based on my own experiences and the wisdom I've picked up from other writers too. So we're going to kick off with tip number one, and that is to show up and write. And this has to be where we start. Uh, William Faulkner reputedly said, I only write when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes at nine o'clock every morning. In essence, this means we have to show up, sit down at the laptop or with a pen and paper in hand and start writing. As I said at the outset, many people will say they have a book in them. If that's you, well, it will remain in you until you start writing it. I remember a few years ago chatting with a friend of mine in a coffee shop and he had spoken for several years about the book he was going to write, uh, but had never written a word of it. He had a greater attachment to the dream of writing it, where it was perfect in his imagination, than the reality of actually sitting down and writing it. After plenty of banter around the topic, on my way to the bathroom in the coffee shop, I asked the waitress for a pen and paper and gave it to my pal and said, listen, write a few sentences by the time I get back from the loo, which he did, and he went on to continue chipping away with it. If you fall into that category, I might even suggest to you that you stop listening to this podcast now. You can always return to it and spend just a few minutes writing what you've been putting off writing. Make a start and you've done the hard part. You may find that continuing to show up gets a little easier or more familiar. Think of it like crossing the door of a gym for the first time. It gets easier the more you do it. Of course, this is where discipline comes in. Every writer will have their own rituals for writing, for starting their work. Strangely, one of mine involves lighting a scented candle or a stick of incense or having an essential oil burning. It's something to do with the sense of smell. And of course, smell is closely associated with memory. Um, but certainly a pleasant aroma stimulates the senses for me. It sets the tone that this is now my creative time. Some writers commit to a certain daily word count, others to an allotted time scale. It's whatever works for you. Over the years, I've learned that scheduling a half day or a full day in my diary allows me to make real progress, especially when writing fiction as I need to immerse myself in the lives of my characters. If I'm writing non-fiction, like my new book Words to Inspire or a blog post, I'll tend to take it in hour-long chunks. Of course, on the days when the writing is going well, that hour will just zip by. I'll feel like I'm in the zone. Other days it will not go as smoothly, but that's just the deal. It's the same with anything else we do. Some days will be better than others. Tip number two is it won't come out onto the page in perfect sentences. This one is so critical because we often think that the words will just flow from us in perfectly formed, crisp sentences, and that just doesn't happen. Well, not for me anyway. There is a famous anecdote of James Joyce's that goes something like this. A friend came to visit Joyce and found the writer in great despair. Is it the work? The friend asked. Of course it's the work, Joyce indicated. How many words did you write today? The friend continued. Joyce, still in despair with his body sprawled across the desk, muttered, Seven. Seven, but that's good for you, James, the friend responded. Yes, said Joyce, looking up, but I don't know in what order they go in. I'm quite sure that's sort of true too, knowing Joyce. Know that it's rare, though, for sentences to come out in perfect order. Occasionally they do, and they're like gems, but 99% of the time 
if you're like me, you will chip away, refining, cutting and pasting, polishing until the sentence feels right. As I've developed my own style of writing over the years, I've discovered that there's something musical about sentences, how the right ones just slot into place like notes in a symphony. This is hard to explain. I suppose it's about having an ear for language and the rhythm of language. But that second tip, know that it won't come out onto the page in perfect sentences, um, is, is something worth knowing, I think. Tip number three is record or note your ideas and observations. This is almost a pre-writing tip, a way to be in the world. Since the invention of the smartphone and the notes function, we've no excuse not to be jotting down our ideas. Ink them, don't think them, as I've said many times. The notes function on the phone, I, on my phone, is populated by ideas and snippets of dialogue, observations, and um, that become the raw material for my writing. For example, only yesterday I was reading a piece in a newspaper about habits and rituals, and it struck a chord with me. So I jotted down a few ideas that will find a home somewhere, quite possibly in a future article or podcast. A few years ago, I attended a wonderful talk by one of my favourite writers, Donna Tart. You may have come across her. She wrote The Goldfinch and, of course, her famous first book, the classic A Secret History, that I've read several times. But in listening to her speak, I was delighted when she said she carries a notebook with her everywhere as well to jot down her ideas and fragments of dialogue and observations. And she also keeps a notebook by her bedside at night. So if she wakes with an idea or an inspiring dream, she can capture it straight away. And I have to say, I do the same. I've always done it. It means when I'm working on a project, there's a patchwork of ideas and notes. So I'm not starting with a blank page. This has also been a great resource for producing something quickly, as I've had to do sometimes now on the creative writing course that I'm doing. I try as much as possible to avoid starting with a blank page or a blank screen. Even if it's just a few words, they're often the gateway to an article or even a book. Tip number four is knowing that writing is work. As I mentioned earlier, many people have the idea of writing or of being a writer as some romantic figure installed in a library or in a garret on the left bank in Paris. The reality is writing is work. It requires effort, discipline and persistence, just like any job. And it has its stresses and frustrations as well as its joys and pleasures. This contrast between the romantic notion of being a writer and the reality of the writing life was summed up for me by the author Anne Patchett. She writes in her wonderful memoir, uh, This is the Story of a Happy Marriage. That's what the book is called. And she says, the book I've not yet written, one word of, is still a thing of an indescribable beauty, unpredictable in its patterns, piercing in its colour, so wild and loyal in its nature, that my love for this book and my faith in it, as I track its lazy flight, is the single perfect joy in my life. She goes on to say that she starts to write only when the pain of further stalling becomes greater than the pain of actually writing. And that's a sentiment I mentioned earlier that I can certainly relate to. Donna Tart has a different approach. She sees her books in the early stages like Frankenstein's Monster. And she spent years, and of course she famously only produces a book about every 10 years, uh, standing over her monster trying to breathe life into it. So my friends, the reality is that writing is work. It can be exceptionally pleasurable work, but it is work. Tip number five is there will always be resistance. You know, even though I've been writing for years and I've written six books, I will still resist sitting down at the laptop. As the author Stephen Pressfield says, there will always be resistance. It's just part of the deal. 
Furthermore, the bigger the idea, the loftier the dream, the greater the resistance. This is true of everything in life, not just writing, by the way. Resistance takes many forms, but usually has an underlying theme of this work won't be good enough, or who'll want to read it, it has already been said, and so on. Ultimately, of course, you know, we'll think thoughts like, well, sure, I'm no use, why am I even bothering? It'll all be wrapped up in lack of worthiness. From my conversations with other authors, artists, creatives, everyone experiences this. You just have to learn to manage it, or as I like to say, resist resistance. A useful tip that I picked up a few years ago at a talk that was given by the author Deirdre Purcell, what she does is to to deal with her own resistance, is finishing uh, her writing in the middle of a sentence so that the next day when she sits down to write, at least you can you can conclude that half-written sentence. Uh, that's something that I will do on occasions as well. Uh, another idea is to have your writing materials or laptop laid out, have it visible, so all you have to do is sit down. That's something I do in a, in a different uh, situation as well. I'll often lay out my yoga mat the night before, so I see it in the morning as a reminder to get onto it. It uh, helps with my yoga practice. Um, back to writing though but it can also be useful to have a specific place where you write you know I might move from my office to the kitchen just for a change of scene you know or even to a coffee shop we all need our our strategies for resisting resistance tip number six is another practical one and it's brain dump first edit second as I said earlier because sentences rarely come out perfectly formed you just have to start writing or to paraphrase Truman Capote uh, at least start typing When I'm embarking on a new chapter or indeed an article, I'll dump all my ideas onto the page. Fragments of sentences, keywords, a quote, a reference and so on. I don't worry initially about spelling, grammar or flow. I just get something onto the page. Creative writing and editing do not make for good bedfellows because each fires up a different part of the brain, uh, the limbic system and the neocortex. So it's very difficult to do both at the same time. After I do my brain dump, I will revisit the piece and start pulling it together. I will typically do six or seven rounds of this editing and fine-tuning before the article or the chapter will be complete. Usually around round five, I'll read it aloud. You know, it's amazing the difference this makes in terms of flow, and it is vital, of course, if you're writing dialogue in a work of fiction. If it sounds clunky, it will read clunky. I'm a fan of what I call tight writing. So I try to edit my work down to its essence. So for a finished article of maybe 1,300 words, I'll probably start writing with a first draft of over 2,000 words before it is edited and tightened. Recently at college, I had to do a very short, quick piece where the max word count was 400 words. You know, My initial brain dump was closer to 1,000 before the excess was purged and the remainder edited and tightened. With bigger works, there is always the painful job of what's known as killing your babies. That's how the phrase goes, you know, where you're removing chunks and sometimes chapters of well-crafted writing because it's not really relevant or doesn't add to the overall piece. I know with my novel Finding Catherine, which has a finished word count of just over 100,000 words, there was another 40,000-odd words that were culled from it. Blood, sweat and tears um, all had to come out including the first three chapters. In Aristotle's famous work, The Poetics, one of the first works of literary criticism, written, what, two and a half thousand years ago, he says that if a chapter or an episode within that chapter can be removed without altering the overall piece, well, then it shouldn't be there. 
this is the tough side of writing or of any creative project. If I put my business brain on for a minute, though, it's also working smarter. You know, that definition of working smarter, identifying what you're no longer going to do. Well, that's the same within writing. There might be elements of what you've written that's no longer required and maybe detracts from the overall piece. Sometimes you need the first drafts, though, to get where you need to go. I remember the original opening sentence in my novel, Finding Catherine, which I was so proud of, was Catherine ended up in hospital because someone dared to love her. That was the the opening sentence, and I thought it was so engaging. Um, but I realised afterwards, though, that uh, those first chapters weren't really needed. They could be told in backstory. Uh, so that sentence and many more sentences had to be culled from it. But they were the, the gateway. That sentence was the gateway to get me where I needed to go in that novel with Catherine's story. Tip number seven is about some of the distinctions between fiction writing and non-fiction writing. So fiction, of course, is where we're making up stories. Non-fiction is prose or, um, you know, articles, blog articles, typically. So for me, non-fiction writing is easier because I'm more used to it. You know, I've written many, many blogs and magazine articles and four non-fiction books so far. You know, so, for example, when I was writing Soar, Powerful Questions That Will Transform Your Life, uh, which I wrote, gosh, 10 years ago, um, there was a clear plan for that book from the outset. So the plan was tweaked, of course, as I went, uh, but each chapter had a subject matter and was divided into sections. That meant it was easy to chunk it down and and progress could be easily measured. And it's the same with the interview skills book that I wrote. Uh, and of course, the new one, Words to Inspire as well, um, which is almost like a collection of blog articles. Uh, with fiction, I have themes I want to explore, characters I want to write about, uh, but the process is far more organic. Um, I'll start out with maybe a sense of a plan, maybe a 50% plan, a rough direction, but the other 50% only forms when I'm actually writing. Many characters will grow and develop or drop out in the process of writing and new ideas will come in. Uh, with fiction, my heart, uh, my heart comes into it more, I often say. Um, you know, does this feel right? Is there an emotional connection to the characters? Does it make sense? What is the character feeling? What is their motivation? If I'm writing an article for a magazine or a blog, in good old Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People fashion, I'll start with the end in mind. So I want to be clear as to the three, four, five key messages I want the reader to take from the article. I'll usually draw these out in a mind map type format beforehand, a bit of a brain dump a way of linking ideas and so on. Uh, these key takeaways become the backbone of the article uh, and often the paragraph structure too. I found people like to have their learning presented to them. So often it's an uneven number of points, you know, three key points or five key learnings uh, and maybe numbering them in the article. And this again helps with the structure. Subheadings also help in making the article more readable. Readers of non-fiction, of blogs, of articles are interested in what's in this for me. So informing them as to how what you're saying has helped someone with a similar challenge brings the article alive for them. Examples or case studies uh, serve a similar function. For me, the opening sentence or two of any book or article is key. Um, in a book, it should draw you in, even hook you. Uh, this is sometimes referred to as the arresting opening. Sometimes I get the opening fairly quickly and the article flows from it. Uh, sometimes in the editing process, more sentences come or are moved about 
Um, so it's always important to have the strongest and the most engaging one at the start. With the opening of your article or blog, you're really looking to do three things. You're looking to let the reader know that you have a sense of what's important to them. Uh, maybe you need to establish credibility. You know, you reference a book, your work or the, the work you've done with other clients. Um, and maybe you pose a question or emphasize the problem that the rest of the article is aiming to resolve, answer or help with. Of course, if you're writing a blog and you're seeking to get visitors to your page or website, we're now moving into the territory of SEO, search engine optimization, which I'm always aware of when I'm writing uh, my blog posts, you know, from a keyword perspective. But really, that's for another day and another episode and perhaps an interview with someone who has more expertise in SEO um, than I do. The last thing I want to say on this tip, this distinction between fiction and nonfiction, is that for me, whilst it's harder writing fiction, I find the payoffs are greater. I get lost in the world of my characters. Um, and when I'm in this zone writing, all sense of time tends to go. I tend to be in this, that state of flow. Uh, perhaps this takes us back to a time when we were children and we get fully absorbed in a story. The worlds we create with fiction writing are pure imagination. And the sole purpose of fiction is the joy of creating it and reading it. Whereas with nonfiction, there's usually a purpose behind it. You know, you're educating, you're informing, or maybe even you're selling an idea or, or even a product. The last tip I'm going to share with you today is around writing what you love. Now, I'm going to share an extract from my, my current labour of love, the new book. Um, but I want to conclude this tip or this tip list of tips this week uh, by suggesting that, you know, writing what you love or writing from what's in your heart or what's calling you to express. The process of writing and overcoming resistance is hard enough without trying to write on a topic that you care little about. I write the sort of articles and books that I like to read, or as I've discovered with my new one, Words to Inspire, it's probably the book I most need to heed. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite quotes by the artist uh, Eugene Delacroix is what moves men of genius or rather what inspires their work is not new ideas, but their obsession with the idea that what has already been said is not enough. You know, when we write from our hearts, it goes to other people's hearts and that is what moves them. And that's what good writing and good books should always do. From a creativity perspective, some things can only come into the world through you. We express our creativity in a multitude of ways. If you think writing might be one of your ways, then I hope these few tips have been helpful. Before some final observations, I'm going to close this week with a short snippet from my new book, Words to Inspire, and it's from a chapter that's titled Books. So this bit is especially for all you book lovers and bibliophiles listening in. So as I say, this is from Words to Inspire. Um, it's through the written word that we gather information, uncover insights and accrue knowledge. I've learned so much about myself in the pages of books. They are gateways to other people's lives, thoughts and worlds. We see aspects of ourselves reflected in characters that come to life on the page. As well as being gripping reads, in the great books and the timeless classics, we find words for what we are feeling, language that helps us make sense of our own lives. With access to books, we can never really feel alone. Books remind us of our humanness, how we all carry self-doubt and deep wells of courage. Tales of surviving against the odds and good conquering evil inspire us to slay our own dragons and to speak our truth. And just like visiting an old friend, when we return to a favourite book many times and find something new, 
because we are always reading it from our present day perspective. Reading is a mindful act. We have to pay attention. Turning the pages, we might get lost in faraway lands and different times, but we remain in the now. We might have an overview of the plot, but the joy is found in the reality that is created between the first and last words. It's not about hurrying to the end, mirroring life itself. Reading is a journey of discovery. Today, as a writer, I know a story starts in the imagination of the author, but it finishes in the imagination of the reader. From the clues in a mystery that prompts us to play detective, to the seemingly insurmountable challenges that somehow the protagonist will overcome, we relate to the hero's journey because we know we are on one ourselves. So that was a short extract from my new book, Words to Inspire, that will be out in a few weeks. I hope you found my musings and tips on writing this week helpful, uh, that it has given you some courage and maybe even some inspiration to start expressing your creativity in written form. Some of you might even want to pick up that pen and paper now or open up the laptop and do it straight away. As I often say to people who are resisting their creative calling, just think of all of the works of creativity that you enjoy and have enjoyed over the years, from books, movies, plays, even poetry. All of those authors faced resistance, but they moved through it. They all faced self-doubt, but leaned into their creativity anyway. And how much poorer would the world be if they hadn't? So if inspiration has deposited an idea in your mind that seeks expression, act on it, because the world will be poorer if you don't. People are waiting to hear what you have to say, so don't deprive us of your creativity. What can only come into the world through you? So thank you for tuning in this week, and until next time. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment, please rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. And maybe you'd like to share it with a friend too. For more information about me, James Sweetman, my coaching services, workshops, books and for more podcast episodes, be sure to visit jamesweetman.com.